This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, how often are you checking on the overall health of your business with your team members involved? Are you identifying and working on the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats known as SWOT? S-W-O-T. How do you start a SWOT analysis and what would be the benefits for you? How do you find your blind spots and does knowing your SWOT give you a competitive advantage? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, Carm Capriato here. Glad to have you here for this huge learning opportunity. My panel takes a deep dive into the value of SWOT and they share their own experiences. Hey, thanks to our partners in Shopware for providing this episode. Hey, stop waiting around for your money. Get paid with the flick of a finger, the same finger that approves repairs on a smartphone seconds after you send an estimate. Shopware works with the smartest companies to make your life easier. Talk to my friends over there at Shopware. Get Shopware.com. It's Michael Smith, managing partner, Herzberg and Smith and Company. Hello, Michael. Hi, Carm. How are you? Good to have you here. Brian Bates is with us, Eagle Automotive, Littleton, Colorado. Four or five, six shops. Now I can't keep track. Uh, we're up to almost nine right now. So I'll have <laughs> nine in a couple of weeks. See, boy, <laughs> I took a sleep and I lost five stores. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just keep showing up. <laughs> let them in. Like, okay, it's more room. Come on in. Now, I just want to let you know that there's a guy who's got a relationship with a banker. I just want to let you know that. And Bill Van, who's uh, general manager at Eagle Automotive. Yes, sir. How, how do you keep up? Is it is the count nine really nine? Yeah, yeah. No, what, two weeks? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. Oh, anticipation. Very good. Ribbon cutting, a couple of weeks. All right, great. SWOT, Michael, uh, I know you're a big player in this. You have done uh, SWATs uh, with Brian, and you've done one at one of Bill's jobs. I'm sure it helped set both companies off on some great trajectories. People say, well, listen, you've got to always be working on your business, and what greater way to dig down deep inside and find out if you're doing all the things right, and if you're looking sometimes at the a hundred foot view and sometimes the thousand foot view, you've got to really sit down and do an SWOT. No, that's right. And, that, you know, a well-run business has metrics and all the functions of the business and is paying attention to those as they go. The SWOT analysis is a tool that's good to every once in a while pause and take a bigger picture look at what's going on. And you do it from a sort of a value perspective. It's not the detailed metrics. It's more you step back and say, with regard to each function in the business, what are we doing well? What's the strength? What's the weakness that we can identify at this point? And those are internally focused things. Then the opportunities and the threats are the external related things. What are we missing in terms of a chance to do more in this area? And what's potentially an existential threat to us that we need to figure out how to take care of? You can do it at the company level in the market. You can do it inside the company at the functional level. But SWAT's kind of a special drill down tool. It's just a tool. It's part of a, taking a snapshot of the as is and the to be part of it of a consulting project is a little bit of the opportunities and threats. What can we do externally to take more of an advantage? of the position that we have from a competitive standpoint. So SWAT's, SWAT's a tool, and SWAT's a tool that you should use on a regular basis, in my opinion. I love one of the things he just said, Brian and Bill, you know, that you can do it as a team, as an overall business. Brian, have you ever just decided to do it on a particular store that you may say, hey, listen, we're struggling in a couple of areas, so let's just do it on a store? 
That's a great question because each one of our stores, although they're all in similar demographics, they do have um, different threats and, and strengths and weaknesses that all presents opportunities to grow. The store managers and Bill and I, on, on a regular basis, are constantly talking about how things are going and, and what's going well. Sitting down and doing a specific SWAT for a specific store, we haven't done that, but you know, as I'm thinking about it, that's an excellent idea. Um, we've got, you know, Bill always says that he lives in that 20%, the bottom 20%, and, and that kind of fluctuates from time to time just based on challenges that each one of the stores have. I think, you know, what a lot of us that own shops would agree on is that the biggest and opportunity at the same time are employees, you know, just, just getting the right team together. And that's such a challenge right now. But man, when you've got that team together, it's such a strength. And so I, I do feel like over the last few years, you know, at least since COVID, we've had a luxury of, of having, you know, a pretty strong car count. Um, the competition has been uh, fairly stable. You know, we haven't had a, a bunch of new players in the market and um, nothing really has changed. The strength of the company has always been, I think, in the automotive um, industry and in the the independence. Our biggest strength is the people themselves, right? I mean, people are doing business with people and the convenience of um, where we are located within the community is very much a competitive advantage. So I think, you know, it's interesting that you said 2018 was the last time you kind of visited this. Again, I feel like there, because there's such a, a level of complacency in the fact that when we went through COVID, we were challenged with those threats on a daily basis. And we didn't really need to sit down and talk about them too much because it was on the top of everybody's mind. But in the last couple of years, we've kind of gotten lulled into this. We've got enough cars. We've got enough business. We just, you know, we're constantly trying to get the right people um, and, and get the right people in place. But as we're starting to look at, a, at what looks like an imminent um, recession right now, now I think is a perfect time to really sit down and say, hey, look, what are our strengths? What are weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And let's get a game plan together because mm-hmm. two things happen in a recession. Um, companies blow it out of the water and companies get blown out of the water. And I think that's really based on what that planning is going ahead. And, and a SWOT analysis is one of those fundamental analysis that kind of gets your, your mind going. I want to make a comment here, everyone. If you're just joining us and you're saying, uh, this isn't interesting to me, I, I want it to be very interesting to you because an SWOT can be a competitive advantage if you were ever thinking of looking at one and it can show it to you on a piece of paper because, you know, maybe by the end of this Town Hall Academy, you can figure out how to facilitate one. But Brian, I was inspired by what you were just saying, and I wrote down SWATs that I think I would love to do, or I think our industry would love to do, and one of them was the post-COVID SWAT. Let's go and do it on the whole company and or the marketplace or the economy. What about a people SWAT? And I'm sure you guys have done it, but I've been part of a corporate America that said, hey, listen, we need you to assess your team. What box do they fall in? What training are we getting them? Where's their strengths? Who's going to be our future leaders? What about a customer SWOT? What about a systems or a process SWAT? And so to your point, Michael, from earlier, how you can, you know, segregate this up and slice it up. If you don't want to sit down and I'm speaking to my listener and say, I'm not sure. Fine. 
Well, then go home, take the yellow pad on the long weekend, this weekend, and start just thinking about it yourself. What's the, you know, great strengths in each of these categories that you should, and, and you know what, I bet you what happens at the end of a three or four day individual think, you may find some things you got to work on. Absolutely right. And I would say to that, if, if you don't want to do the whole company at once, pick a problem area. And sit down and dig into that one and see what comes out of it. And most likely it's going to lead you to problems in other areas too. Uh, one of the great challenges in any business is getting the functions that are separate from each other inside the business necessary for it to succeed to actually connect well with each other. So you start talking about customer experience, you're going to get into the sales process. You're going to get into failures in the shop. You're going to get into marketing failures and the wrong setting of expectations that people come thinking and paying for more in the sales transaction than they get. And so you're going to find you drill into one, you're going to start to find connections to the other ones as well. So you can do it in whole, you can do it in parts, you do it all at the end, you're going to have some very valuable stuff to work with. You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com. Michael, you told me, uh, as I was looking at your talking points for this show, was path to mastery. I love those three words. Uh, Take us down that path. The concept is we originally studied it was out of the guilds back in the centuries ago. And the concept was to go from unskilled to apprentice to journeyman or journey person and then to mastery. And that we do this as individuals in our personal lives over topics. We do it as professionals. We can do it as companies too. And one of the real strong components of, you know, Brian's talking about how do we find the best people in the marketplace? The best people that you want to get your hands on are people who are either are masters or who are on their way to becoming masters. This concept of becoming a master requires you to continue to improve. And it's a discipline of an individual to say, I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep getting better. Well, that same thing applies to companies. And it is that, as you mentioned, karma continuous improvement model, this thing should never stop. As soon as you stop, you're giving a chance for competitors to catch and to pass you. And our markets are dynamic and the challenges keep changing and they're getting harder, in my opinion, as we go. So having SWAT discipline, it's, it's a part of a concept of moving individually and corporately to higher and higher levels of excellence, to mastery, if you will. So this is a tool to use in that process. How do you start? The way we started was... Um the company was broken down into human capital, finance, uh, the legal aspects, uh, the accounting, marketing, the operations part of it, right? And started with um, how well we thought we were doing each one of those categories. 
And Michael walked me through it. And it was a, a several week process that at the end, I almost had a nervous breakdown. But um, <laughs> what was Michael that hard on you? No, it wasn't that he was that hard, right? But as you're looking at this, there was a little bit of arrogance, right? It's like, well, who's better than us? And uh, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, we're doing really well there. And he goes, are you? You know, and uh, one of the big takeaways I took from it is I was looking at it from uh, if I worked for the competition and I was doing a SWAT on that company, what would I be putting down for us, right? And it really changed uh, the way I was answering those questions, so really, uh, you know, it started with, uh, you know, breaking it down into bite-sized pieces and, uh, and going through it and uh, moving from a place of arrogance to a place of humility. And then, okay, what do we got to do to build this back up? That became the challenge, right? But uh, I kid you not, we were doing it on a whiteboard and I'd take a picture at the end of each session and uh, ended up having a town hall where we did nothing but discuss the SWOT analysis and the plan to bring everything back together. And, uh, and I put all them pictures up there and there must have been 15 of them, right, that just kept getting overlaid. At the end of it, really enjoyed it, learned a lot from it. One of the thoughts that I had, Bill, was about having an outsider do this, which then doesn't bring the, the arrogance, as you were saying, by, uh, come on, guys, we're not that bad, are we? You need to get all of that. So, M Michael, maybe Bill, Brian, is, is there value in having, when you do the whole company, an outsider lead it? I think there's, there's a lot of value there. And I think the collaboration between somebody who's looking at it from the outside that has enough knowledge of um, what is going on on the inside is extremely valuable. And I think that's why Michael um, brings a lot of value to a process like this, of, you know, making sure that he is asking the tough questions. And there's a tendency to, you know, the emperor has no clothes um, sort of mentality, right? Everybody starts um, gathering around and saying, oh, no, we're good there. Oh, man, we're, oh, I came from a place and they did this terrible and, and this place does it so well. Like, we don't even need to talk about that. And you really do want to be honest and transparent and just kind of let your guard down and be critical about yourself because there's always areas to improve. And then, then you start looking at, okay, what's the lowest hanging fruit here? What are some things that we can really start addressing right now that can make a significant impact so that we get, you know, some victories under our belt. So, um, so it encourages us and gives us energy to uh, tackle some of those tougher problems that are going to really test our, our fortitude and our commitment to resolving and, uh, and improving based upon the SWOT analysis. Well, you know, when I think of that outsider that you said, and you said that someone has an idea of what's going on in the business, even that industry person like Michael is, will let him dig deeper because someone may say something and you write that down. But Michael, I'm sure you know that if you have to peel back the layers a little bit to really get down into what that person is really saying. Yeah, that and the fact that I'm going to add to all of this, in addition to the emperor's clothes, like nobody wants to say it because they don't want to be the one that points it out and everybody can see it. There's another aspect of this is blind spots. And blind spots are the fact that this is human. Psychologically, what we do is we go through a thought process and make a decision. You know, we wade through all of the noise and we come to a conclusion and then we establish that conclusion. In the future, when we look back at it critically, and you put that in quotes because we don't, we're not as critical as we think we are, we want to 
we're deeply driven to back up again the same decision we made the first time. What it means is, is that we become blind to some of the things that would run counter to us being able to stay consistent with the decision that we made before. This is not a conscious thing. This is a subconscious thing, but it just goes along with how humans are made. So as we dig in, we tend to look and say, you know, this isn't as bad as it as I thought it was, or, you know, this is okay. We talked about this before, dot, 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 right? We decided this because in the past, the worst case was different, so we'll stay with it. All of a sudden, life changes, and there's a new pathway, but that pathway is not even, you can't even see it because the inside team's been over this so many times and concluded they don't even look anymore. And that's part of the, again, the you know, the kid that looks up at the emperor and says, hey, he's got no clothes and everybody has to admit it at that point. This is the blind spot thing is the outsider looks in and says, can you guys see what I can see? And they're like, huh, what are you talking about? And it's like, look at that. And they're, I don't see that. Do you see that? No, I don't see that. We talked about that. That wasn't an issue. No, it's not a thing for us. Well, think about it again. And then they're like, uh-oh, and then the cracks begin to form, right? It's not, they're not pretending to not see, they can't actually see. And that's another value to having an outsider do it, right, to be there. And, and they got to be, in this business, bro, they got to be insiders too from the standpoint that guys like Brian and Bill do great SWOT analyses for other people. And I've been hanging around long enough to know what they're looking for, and I can add some value there too. You get a pure consultant from outside who knows SWAT inside and out, sits down in this industry like you were in. This stuff's going to go right over their head. They don't even know what we're talking about. So it's a combination of if I were having a SWAT done on my company, I would want people like Brian and Bill sitting next to me saying, okay, I don't think I can see anything here, but what do you guys see? And then I would listen. Because they're going to see things that I'm, I've made myself blind to, right? I've been in denial about it. I don't want to talk about Ever done a SWAT on a competitor, Brian? We have in the sense of we've recognized a competitor as somebody who is a threat. You know, in my mind, the, the idea behind a SWAT analysis or the culmination is that you take things that are um, strengths and uh, weaknesses, but then you look at the, um, the threats and the opportunities, they're generally the same. So you're generally um, going to say, okay, these, these threats, if we can overcome those threats, then it becomes an opportunity for us to have a competitive advantage. Now, when you look at the, the opportunity and the threat, if you can culminate that into a strength, then you're really cooking with, uh, with Crisco, right? Because now let's, let's take uh, the technician um, situation right now. The, the opportunity is to build a team of technicians that um, give you a competitive advantage in the industry. The threat is that you're not able to do that. The threat is that you, you aren't able to find technicians that are going to produce the sort of product that you need to produce. But then if you do take advantage of that opportunity to overcome the threat, now all of a sudden that's a strength. And if you can perpetuate that, systematize it, and keep your, your recruiting and your culture and the retention, attraction, all of those items working together, now you have a strength that makes the threat um, irrelevant, right? Um, it, it doesn't go away, but now we don't have to worry about it every day. We don't have to listen 
to um, advisors that are struggling with trying to get work out. Um, we've, we've got customers, we've got sales, but we just can't produce it or we can't diagnose the, uh, the vehicle properly, that sort of thing. When you look at your competitors, I think you have to look at that threat as well. You know, look at them, you know, as a threat. What threats do our competitors pose to us? Now, if we can overcome that threat and take the opportunity to really, you know, compete very well and, and compete um, with our strengths, make our weaknesses, um, minimize any weaknesses that we have within the company. Now that overcoming that threat becomes a strength of ours and, uh, and we capitalize on the opportunity. That takes a lot, right? I mean, you got to dig into competitive pricing. You got to kind of um, find out in the network what's going on within that company. As you're interviewing people, if you do have a, a position that opens up, you want to find out where they're working, but what are the things that they didn't like about the company? What were the things that the company did really well? So that interview of you know, potential team members brings in a whole new context because now you're looking at what are the benefits that are out there in the marketplace? What are the, you know, the strengths of our competitors with human resources? What are the weaknesses with them? And then you can really move your strategy, you know, you, you know, kind of take your company and, and do a self-assessment and say, hey, we're in a good place as far as competing or, you know what, we're kind of getting our butts kicked because, Everybody else is offering paid time off and we don't, or everybody else is offering a holiday pay. We don't. Everybody else is, um, you know, making sure that their um, team members get a day or two off to do social responsibility projects. That's sort of thing every year. And maybe we should uh, incorporate that into our, into our company. So I, I love the question, Carm, because that. SWOT analysis um, with a competitor, it really digs into having that comparison of, you know, us and them. And if you get a strong competitor, I, I love strong competitors because, man, that really, you know, I, I know that the Bills didn't make it last year, and I'm sorry about that. I see that football behind you, and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> he was so excited that last podcast. <clears throat> That's Jim Kelly's signature, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you talk to any... Um, professional athlete and whether their team is just struggling and they're in a rebuilding phase or something or whether they are at the top of their game and, and at the top of the league they will always want to play the number one team in the league because it benchmarks them it lets them know this is where we're at it it, it you know illustrates all the things that it takes to be a top team. And then they get to compare themselves to that. And it makes them stronger is, is the, the biggest point, right? And, and so when we see big competitors and strong competitors come into the neighborhood, I think, man, this is great because it's going to make our company stronger and it's going to eliminate those that can't, that can't compete in the marketplace. Brian, I was inspired by what you just talked about. The Bills? Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carmen. <laughs> Kansas City again this year. Oh, dear. All right. I know, I know. Broncos. <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> We're going to tangent here, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you all for coming to the football discussion here. Uh, yeah. We should That's do an SWOT on the Bills, right? Okay. It's so much of what we do on the show is, this is business acumen. We're teaching through storytelling and, and, and ideas from, you know, just great voices in the industry. And one of the thoughts that I always have is, is how, how, how? I'm always in this, you know, how, how, how does somebody get started? How, how do people do this? And if I 
our industry could adopt SWOT as a foundation of leading and information, I've got this ideation problem. Somebody says something and it, and I go off. And what I was thinking about, Brian, when we talked about the competitive SWAT is I'm interviewing someone. And shouldn't I be a, a lightning rod of information? Should I not adopt SWOT inside of that interview style where you're looking for information on the individual? Let's do an, a, a SWOT on diagnostic abilities, on training, uh, where he came from, on the, what he knows about the marketplace. There's so many ways we could go by saying, uh, I don't know what to do next. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Oh, I got it. You're right. And that's uh, kind of delves into what I was talking about a little bit earlier, but there is that um, that idea that we've adopted a, a interview process where we know the qualities that we're looking for, but we also know that nobody is perfect in all those qualities. But if one of those qualities is completely void, like that the person just does not have the, you know, humility or he doesn't have a, a team, you know, an idea of that he wants to work together um in a team and be a good team player, we know that that ends up eliminating them. Now, when we recognize a weakness, then we really want to dig into how bad is that weakness and, and is it an area that you can train or is it just come innate? I think drive and hunger, you know, and the willingness or, or the desire to win um, is there in every human being. But when it's really low, it's really tough to get, you know, to get people motivated versus teaching somebody how to, you know, how to be a good team player. Michael, part of your talking points was about uh, breadth and depth of SWAT. Can you cover that? Yeah, if you sat down and just said off the top of my head, let me think about my company in general. What are we good at? Well, we have, you know, three strengths. Here's a couple of weaknesses. I can only think of one. Right. Blind spots, desire not to see, not being honest with yourself, whatever. At the end of the day, you got nine things to look at. And what we talk about is going broad is to say, let's break the company into its constituent parts and look at let's look at the parts separately. And as a part of that, then you're looking at how they connect with the other parts. But we've got models that talk about 12 functions of every business. So you do the SWAT by function. You do it 12 times in your company based on the details so that the breadth of what you're looking at covers all of the moving parts. And then you can see how they fit. The depth component is to take SWAT to another level and say, okay, when I tear this function apart, I'm going to start with vision. I'm going to work down through strategy to tactics all the way down to what are the actual deliverables that are being developed. And you do the SWAT at each of those levels. And so there's seven levels, 12 functions. You end up with a matrix with SWAT results in each place. And again, this is not to do too much work. And I, and I want to throw this in there, Karma, as a perspective. I came from outside this industry and came from a world where we did this on much bigger companies than, than the small business. I meet a lot of owners and I sit down and I say, okay, so how are you doing competitively? Their perspective is the three-mile circle around their store, which is what we've all been taught about this industry, and they have one of them. And so what competitive advantage is, who else is in my circle? Oh, I can beat Bob. Phil beats me a couple of times. Sally is good at this, but not that. And then they're done. 
That's all they need to know. When you get into the world that the Eagles live in, when you get into the world of where this industry is going, of expansion and adding and being a consolidator and getting bigger and taking over bigger geographic footprints and bigger customer footprints and going into new markets, you need to do this in a much more sophisticated manner. It's not just knowing what's in the one to three mile circle around your shop. How do I build a company that competes effectively at the top of this industry? And I need to start thinking not just in a single shop or a small shop model, which is what a lot of the industry is built on, start thinking like a big corporate entity. And then if you can consider it that way, now you're talking about true competitive advantage. I ask owners, hey, what are your competitive advantages? Oh, I have a warranty. And I had like, okay, I'm an outsider. I'm telling you, there's no competitive advantage. Do the other guys have that too? Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter because they're outside my zone. It's like, you can't think that way. True competitive advantage is what are your leverage points over, as Brian was saying, top competitors in your industry? Can you beat them at something? What are you better at than they are? And most of the time, initial conversation, it goes right over their heads. They go, I don't know. I never thought about this. It's like, well, that's where we're going to go because we have to understand how to do this at a better, higher, different level than the tradition because the industry is going to demand that of us. It's collapsing into smaller players, bigger players, more sophisticated players, and we're going to have to learn to play that game with tools like this, right? You do the SWOT, you do it on paper, Bill, not on a whiteboard, okay? You do it on paper so that you can plaster the walls and you have it. On the strength panel, we look at, say, four or five or six opportunities that are there. Once we've collected them all, tell me if I'm right or wrong, you you go through there and you say, okay, out of these opportunities, team, and this could be a day or two later while it all sinks in, what should we be working on? Let's label them A, B, and a C, okay? And so you do that with the SWOT segments, and then management takes that away. And I'm trying to help the industry realize how they could create a really neat, concise, strategic plan, Michael. And so here are my A's, and we're, we, we're committed to team. Let me, let me see that head shake up or down. We're going to do this stuff. And let me see who's going to do it. And when are we going to do it by? What resources do we need? And to me, in a small business, and I know you were talking big corporate America, Michael, but you can still be corporate America-ish, and we can teach our audience, do the SWAT, rate the, the priority of those individual items, get it into a spreadsheet, find the owner, find the date, and start rocking. Agree or disagree, small and simple. The first thing that strikes me is when you're talking about the team kind of nodding their head up and down. I do totally agree that everybody's got to be in alignment. And that alignment starts with making sure that everybody is aligned with the purpose and the vision and the goal, not only of what we're doing with the SWOT analysis, but also with the company. I always like to start, if we're getting into a heavy discussion, hey, let's all agree that these are the goals. And, and if we're not in agreement on that, then let's uh, let's talk about that really quick. Or, hey, let's set the goals if, if we haven't really identified goals. Um, because really what you want to discuss is the uh, how are we going to get there, not where are we going, right? So, and and to me, those are the fruitful discussions, knowing when people, you know, can trust each other that they're all going in the same direction or they're all going towards the same goal. And that if we're having a disagreement or if we're having a heavy debate, it's not so much, hey, you want to go here, but I want to go here. We agree that we want to go to the same place. And so having that vision, purpose, 
really strong in your company is really where you need to start. If you don't have that, then these projects become more difficult. But then when then when you get into this specific project, then, hey, what are, what's the goals here? Because I think if you don't put those goals out there, people are going to fill that goal in with probably the worst um, scenario that, that you can think of. And I think with a SWOT analysis, um, when you start talking about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, then, you know, there's a potential for somebody on uh, on the project to say, hey, look, is this a witch hunt? Are they looking for, and, and then people clam up, right? Um, and so, so I think to your point there, um, Carm, is that, you know, starting it off and getting everybody aligned is extremely important when you're doing a SWOT analysis and, and just running a company in general, because you can go back to that, hey, look, these are the goals. We all agree this is where we're going with the mission of the company, the direction, and then reset things if things start getting a little bit maybe out, out of bounds or, or getting getting a little tangent um, from where you wanted it to go. So that's that's my thoughts on, on what, you know, my initial thoughts on what you were talking about there, Carm. I'll leave it to Bill and Mike to expound upon that. My experience has been that um, a lot of people will, as they go through those, and if they're being honest in answering those questions, they uh, have a tendency to start looking to uh, where do I assign blame rather than looking at it as a collaborative effort to improve and, uh, you know, and bringing your team in on that and saying, you know, here is a weakness and what do we have to do to strengthen it? And then prioritizing that and working collaboratively collaboratively towards it is everything, right? Because uh, they start assuming ownership of it. That's when great things start happening, right? Because you get all the innovation and different perspectives and uh, you start bouncing ideas off each other. It's been very cool to watch uh, things come together like that. And, you know, here is a weakness within our company. What do we got to do to make it a strength, right? Here's a weakness that we see in another company that is within our three miles and uh, you know how do, how do we leverage that to our benefit you know to me it, it's getting your leadership team together and identifying that uh, after that SWOT analysis has been done and getting their input and then prioritizing what you find and it's very important that you uh, stay away from the assigning blame right and that this isn't what we're doing we're we're looking to make the company better you can't assign blame when you're doing this, even when you're deciding on a fix to an issue that you have and someone may have dropped the ball. It's not about that. It's about going forward. Great, great point. Carm, I'll add one thing to it, just to add to what both these guys have said. There's the old, uh, I think it's Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. But one of the great questions to ask at the beginning for owners, where do I start with this, is be real clear before you even get into the context setting of purpose and character that Brian talked about in the tactical, you know, careful applications that Bill, start with the two questions. What's the legacy that I'm trying to build with this when all the dust settles years and years from now? And what do I see as my exit strategy on my way, right? When do I think I might want out? How am I going to want out? And what do I want to make sure happens when I get out? And it's that end game, if you will, perspective that allows you to back back in and set the context, the purpose and character. And it's all back to your question, Carm. How do I prioritize the tactics of what I do today? I, I don't know. It's going to be different in every company. You could have the same set of strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Do I worry about this 
particular feature that I'm weak in, if that's not critical to my legacy that I'm building and fulfilling the context that Brian talked about, getting busy on that tactically is a dispersion of energy that could be better put somewhere else. So how do I do the prioritizing? It's, I don't know. What number? What do you want to be when you grow up? When do you want out of this thing? And then who do you want to be along the way? What Brian was talking about. And when you get that clear, and this is not esoteric philosophic conversation, this is leadership team stuff. If I'm an owner, I'm going to sit down with my key employees and we're going to close the door on a conference room in an evening or on a Saturday and have you know a drink together and basically say, let's talk about these crazy questions because the frame that they provide for us gives us the detail of then knowing what business strategy do we now begin to build and therefore the tactical priorities will rise to the top of that. Now we look at what the SWOT analysis said and we go, well, what do we focus on? What's the stuff that stops everything else from moving forward? to get the big picture stuff done. And it isn't philosophical and strange and fuzzy. It's very, very practical at that point. Those questions get answered themselves. They prioritize themselves, if you will, because you know what you got to put which foot in front of the next one in front of the next one to go down that road of getting to that end game. Uh, Michael, you said a word just a few moments ago, uh, the word consolidation. Talk to us about how you see things uh, playing out and why SWATs are so important, if you will, the, the fundamental building blocks of creativity and in, in improving the business. Yeah, you know, the, it's all rooted in in the environment around our industry. Most of our businesses in the independent world are owned by boomers. Boomers are aging out. Right. We took hits in 2008 and nine in our retirement accounts. We're taking hits now as we go into watching the stock market tumble again, right? We got PPP loans in our pockets, idle loans. We're not quite sure as boomers when and how to, to exit, but two thirds or more of the owners in this business are between age 58 and 72. Give them a decade, they'll be 68 to 82. They're getting out. So what happens to those two thirds of our competitors? They're going to roll over and go somewhere and do something. So if you want out, getting out smart is the best way. Start thinking about your value proposition to be able to do that. You Use SWAT to figure out how to clean it up so that you can move it and make your retirement move if you're an older owner. If you are in the business and can be around for a while, there's going to be a lot of business uh, potential to, to expand your own business. And knowing what your strengths are and knowing what you're looking for from a SWAT perspective, from potential acquisitions, if you will, these are opportunities to, to use this tool too. So that I'd start with a super strong strength of understanding what my own company Companies about and clean it up and then start looking around to where do we go with this now that we've we've kind of gotten our act together if you will put a bow on it for us bill uh, any final words uh, remember our whole objective is to get our shop owner out there to not be afraid of trying a swap maybe now that we've made had this discussion they're more comfortable with it yeah, no, I would uh, encourage everyone to um, sit down and do something like this. Uh, it, it was eye-opening for me, the first one I went through. It was a huge learning experience, you know, and the company came out of it much stronger by uh, presenting it the way that uh, we did, right? Uh, people throughout the company, we had, I think, 80-some employees at the time, they bought into that vision and and it set everybody on a course for improvement, not only as a company, but self-improvement as well. It was very impactful. I hope, you know, Brian, that we have set up, uh, you know, people that are, that are listening to this entire episode from, from minute one to now 
to say, you know what, this is something I can get behind. It's simplistic. It's easy. Wow, I can do a SWAT on myself. I could do a SWAT on a candidate. I could do a SWAT on a competitor. I could do a SWAT on a store. I could do a SWAT on my Diag team. And what we're really doing is we're looking for areas to fix if they're broken and improve, even if they're not, because we have to be perpetual students. We got to constantly improve systems processes. So I'll give you the last word here, my friend. I love the um, the idea of, of being a good finder, right? We're always, most of us are former technicians or we at least uh, know a lot about cars. And so we're, we're always looking for the things that are wrong with something. And one of the things I do like about a SWOT analysis is that um, you do get to look at your strengths and say, hey, look, we're really good in these areas and this is why. And let's make sure that we don't lose focus of that. Um, I think that I saw a uh, saying online a couple of days ago, but it said uh, something to the effect that uh, discipline is the ability to make yourself do something you don't want to do in order to get a, res- a result that you want to get. And so for me, when, when you start looking at this, if it is something where you go, oh man, I don't know if I want to do that. That doesn't sound like fun. Those sort of thoughts start entering your mind. Um, really looking at the result and saying, hey, you know what, this is really what, I, what I'm looking for. And, and it would it would be really exciting to get this result. And that SWOT analysis, when you're looking at, you know, where am I going right now? What's the direction, the context, the strategy, the the reasons behind um, wanting to push in a particular way? The SWOT really covers those major areas that'll get you going in the right direction. If you feel like you're kind of in a, in a rut, if you feel like you're, you're doing great and you want to keep that momentum, I think constantly looking at these four areas is really a great tool tool and a great strategy to keep you, you know, moving forward on track and to, you know, get back on track if, uh, if you feel like you're starting to, uh, to wander or you're losing direction inside of uh, things that are important. This was very enlightening, perfect timing for you know, the state of our industry. I want to encourage everyone to do a post-COVID SWAT on their business and their marketplace. And who knows, maybe we need to do a recession, uh, you know, SWAT or, you know, an inflation SWAT, something so that we dig deep because all these things are floating in our mind. It says, well, it'll settle down, it'll settle down. Well, no, even if it does, how do you know what your next move is? Honestly, I think this was a perfectly a great timing episode. I can't thank you all so much for being here. Honored to have you, Michael Smith, managing partner, Herzberg Smith and Company, Brian Bates, Eagle Automotive. Thanks, man. Littleton, Colorado, nine stores. Bill Van Hoos, GM of Eagle Automotive nine stores. Bill, you have nothing to do, right? You know, I take ice cream out to the shops and, you know, I get (laughs) (laughs) culture builder. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, hey, thank you all. Enjoy the the long holiday weekend. Thank you, Carm. It's a pleasure, Carm. Wow. Nice job, guys. Brian, I was looking at your background and I was like, wow, he has like a lot of, it looks like eagles back there. And then I got Duh, Eagle Automotive. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a period of time. Um, it was like all I was getting was eagles for um, Christmas and birthday and Father's Day. And I finally, I was just like, okay. Okay, guys, enough. Yeah. <laughs> How did you decide on the name Eagle? 
you know, I always liked eagles and, and birds in general, but um, one of the store managers, well, the store manager when I was working at the um, dealership, service manager, he was really big into eagles. And he uh, he kind of took me under his wing as I was getting my business degree. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, he always used to talk about eagles and ducks and how you you know separate people and you just compare them. Oh, that's an eagle, or you know that guy's acting like a duck. You know he needs to you know be more of an eagle. <laughs> so yeah, so so when uh, so when I be an eagle own, and a duck, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I always wanted to call it eagle automotive, and uh, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of the short story. <laughs> and the rest is history. There that's you go. Right. <laughs> what I would like to know is how many are up there. Are there nine? Oh, you know what? Or 12. Ooh, interesting question. (laughs) Seven, but then there's eight, nine, ten eagles. There's a a few on my uh, buffet over there, so... Oh, that's good. I could name each one after a store. Right? Yes. There you go. I was going to say, there's an eagle for every store. That's really nice. <laughs> there, you there you go. And then we'll just send you a couple more each month. And yeah, yeah. So you can up. keep growing. Basically, exactly. uh, my thoughts were is that the strategic plan was sitting on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> What's that uh, movie with? The movie where he's trying to fit, figure out all the clues to get in and uh, find the, uh, it's a biblical thing. Gosh, sorry. National uh, treasure? National like- treasure. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like all these, you know, these euphemisms and just clues lying around that, you know, seem innocuous. And then, you know, the meaning behind is like, oh my gosh, that's a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Those eagles are a clue. You yeah, have at least 12 happening. And, yeah. We even, yeah. We even have a, uh, baby eagle being hatched to put in the new stores. Yeah, that's right. Wow, that's a, that's really a cool metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Eagle hatching. I actually <laughs> randomly started following. Facebook suckered me into following this Facebook group about an eagle nest. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like, I cannot believe I watched this this long because it started as <laughs> egg. Now I'm watching, her name is Spirit. It's a female. She's flown the coop, but she still comes back. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's been interesting learning about eagles in general because mm-hmm. I didn't realize the adolescents, they're fully dark. And it takes right, them, right. I think, like three or four three years, years to get yeah. the beak and the white head. And I didn't know that females are actually bigger than the males either. Yeah. Tracy, I know more than one person who fell into that trap and they're like, I sit there and look at my screen and they're just sitting there looking at me and we just look and I spent hours doing this. I will, like, I'll get suckered into anything animals. <laughs> like I got suckered into uh, Fiona, the hippo that got rescued at the Cincinnati Zoo. I was following that like very closely. And then April, the giraffe that gave birth, I was following that. Like, Ryan, there's a, there's a marketing idea in automotive repair here. Yeah, you just got to right. get an animal camera going somewhere. So. Yes. Yeah. 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 Get some golden retriever puppies. <laughs> there you go. Little kitties and little piglets or something, right? Baby bunnies. Get that eagle feed and put it on your website and people will never leave. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. We can put a link on there. You keep flashing up your value proposition while they're watching the eagle. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah, just a a brief second, like subliminal. And here's what you could do while you've been watching, we opened up a new store. (laughs) 
Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Thank you.